0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone. Hey, if uh, you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you do not have a Bible, that is okay. In just a moment, we'll put the uh, text on the screen for you. If it is your... First time with us. Welcome. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors. Here, and uh, you are joining us as we are in the middle of a series on the Lord's Prayer. We're just walking line by line through Jesus' model prayer for Christians so we can learn together uh, how we are to pray, how we are to commune. It's teaching us more about who God is and who we are in light of that, what we're called to do. And so, um, again, if it's your first time with us, I just want to say welcome. We don't really expect anything from you other than you just relax and expect to hear from God. Um, if, for some reason, you want to learn more about us, you can do that at our website, fellowshipparagold.com. Um, You can also uh, go on our Facebook uh, group, you can join our Facebook group, that's facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash fellowship paragold, and you can connect with us there or connect with me at the door, whatever you want to do, but uh, ultimately the greatest way you can get involved is by plugging into a missional community, and uh, one of our pastors, Luke, will come up at the end and he'll tell you more about those. And so again, I want to welcome each of you, glad you are here, we are going to read together, uh, the Lord's Prayer, just like we did last week. I think we can get that on the screen for you, I believe. Here it is, okay? I want us to pray for this together or read through this prayer together and uh, then we'll dive into uh, part of it, okay? You ready? Here's how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good. just a moment, we're going to dive into that. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But before we do that, uh, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much already for uh, the truth that we've been reminded of through our time and song. And I just thank you for your word right now. I pray that through your spirit uh, that you will take it from just being words on a page to being explosively alive in our hearts. I thank you for each man, each woman, each child who is here today. I know that none of us are here by coincidence. And so, Father, I pray right now that you do what only you can do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to do something right now that I never dreamed in a million years I would do in a sermon, okay? And that is, I'm going to quote a song or lyrics from a song by Creed, okay? Um, Now, if you know me, (laughs) if you know me, uh, you know if I had a a list of my least favorite bands of all time, uh, Nickelback and Creed would be at the top, okay? And there's nothing wrong with uh, Creed or Nickelback. Don't get mad at me. I have music you would hate to, right? The gospel frees us up to disagree on what we think sounds good and doesn't sound good. If you like... Creed and Nickelback, that's awesome. Keep rocking out to them. They're just not really my thing, okay? But nonetheless, here you go. Uh, some of you will probably even remember. I almost played this song for you, but I thought, nah, I'm not going to go that far. And so um, I'm going to read these lyrics, and uh, some of you will probably remember this song. This is uh, from a verse leading into a course. Uh, Scott Stapp, lead singer, that's his name, right, from Creed, says, although I would like the world to change, it helps me to appreciate those nights and those dreams that my friend I would sacrifice all those nights if I could make the earth and my dreams the same. The only difference is to let love replace all of our hate. So let's go there. Let's make our escape. Come on, let's go there. Let's ask, can we stay? Remember the course? Can you take me higher to a place where blind men see? Can you take me higher to a place of golden streets? Um, these are lyrics from the song titled what? Higher. It's the song that put Creed on the map, and in fact, it was a song that 1999 set a record on the mainstream rock billboards by setting at the top of the charts for 17 straight weeks. And I believe this is not so much because it's just a beautifully well-crafted song as much as the lyrics really just resonated with everyone. Because I think all of us in here know that this world is filled with suffering. All of us know that in this world we have pain, and therefore we long, as Scott Stepp said, to escape this place, right? To go to a world where there are golden streets, where blind men see, right? We long for a day when all sad things will come untrue. And you see, though these lyrics resonate with all of us, the problem is they're actually the antithesis of what Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Because in this prayer, what Jesus says for us is for the Christian, our desire should not be to escape this world, to go to some new world where everything is as it should be, but rather we should be praying, he says in here, that God would bring this world here. That is why he says when we pray, we should pray, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, for the majority of Christians and probably for the majority of us in here, when we think of the kingdom of God, isn't the temptation to think of some distant place in the sky somewhere out there? I think the temptation is to think of a place that is completely and always will be otherworldly. But according to the scripture, in places like Revelation 21, and right here in Matthew, in Jesus' prayer, we see the kingdom of God is not simply a place that we are to go to, but is a place that God says, I want to bring here. It is a place where God's rule and reign is on full display. It is a place where, as Jesus said, his will is being done. It is a place where there is life and beauty, where there is love and joy, where there is peace and rest. A place with no war, no violence, no miscarriages, no injustice, no sickness, no pain, no divorce. And what's amazing about this prayer is that Jesus says when we pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. He's saying, look, you don't have to sit around like Scott Stapp just dreaming of a day where you can escape this world and experience this. But he says you can actually begin to pray that God will bring his kingdom right here and right now in this place. For some of you today, that seems like a pipe dream, doesn't it? It seems like a fantasy novel. But yet as we dive into Jesus' life, we see that this is actually a message that is central to the life of Christ. And we see it's a message that, that comes up at the very beginning of his ministry. In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, when Jesus walks on the scene, this is his first big announcement. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, for some of us, whenever we hear these words, it may not seem like a big deal to us, but for the Jewish people who were standing there when Jesus made this announcement, it would have absolutely blown their minds. I mean, for the people in Jesus' day, they were people who were reading the Old Testament. They were familiar with the dozens of prophecies that had gone before them, and people foretelling about this new kingdom that is going to eventually come, a kingdom where they can be freed from oppression, a kingdom where they can experience the life that they have been longing for. They were reading prophecies like the one in Daniel chapter 2. And this is just one of them I want to read to you. I'm going to actually open it up in my Bible, Daniel chapter 2. If you want, you can turn there with me. But in Daniel 2, though it's a book that I'm sure none of you have or maybe many of you have not read. There's this beautiful prophecy right here in it, and I want to read it to you because I think it just builds up and helps us to experience what the people would have experienced in Jesus' time when he made this announcement. And In Daniel chapter 2, we'll put it on the screen for you, but in verse 31, Daniel is interpreting a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image, the image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and in its appearance it was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet and the iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron and clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold, all were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found, but the stone... That struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 36, this was the dream. Now, we will tell the king its interpretation. Some of you are like, now, no, I've never read the book of Daniel. Right? Um, you, O king, verse 37, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven was um, has given the kingdom the power and the might and the glory... And into those hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, and the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And then there shall be a fourth kingdom. Remember that. There shall be a fourth kingdom. Strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. Now go down to actually verse 44. We We'll read two more verses to you. Verse 44. And in the day of those kings, the kings of the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Here's a fifth kingdom, right? Will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all of these other kingdoms, the four other kingdoms, right? I mean, there's no other kingdoms that will be able to stand against it. All these other kings will bring to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke into pieces the iron and the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. This dream is certain, and the interpretation is sure. You're saying, what in the world is Daniel talking about here? What he is saying is this, and this is hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. He says, there have been... There will be four kingdoms that will come. And all these kingdoms, he says, will eventually fall. And then there will be another kingdom, right, that will come. And it will be established and it will be forever. And as other prophets would come on to say, it will be a kingdom where you experience the life that God has created you to experience. Now, why is that significant? Because when Jesus came on the scene, guess how many kingdoms have come up to this point? Four. There had been the Babylonians, for those of you that are history buffs. The Persians. Alexander the Great, right, and the Roman Empire. So there have been four kingdoms. And these people like, they're reading the book of Daniel. They're familiar. So they're sitting there and they're thinking, okay, four kingdoms have come. We remember the prophets, there'd be four, but then there'd be a fifth. And it would be the eternal kingdom, the kingdom we've been longing for. So they're sitting there and they're wondering, when is this going to come? When's this kingdom going to come to pass? And what happens? As they're wondering, as they're reading, as they're anticipating, up walks this man, Jesus, and he says, the waiting is over. He says, the time has come. He says, I am that king. He says, that king and that kingdom is here. And therefore, what does he say? It is time to repent. In other words, it is time to stop bowing down to all these other kings and to bow down to me as the one true king. The truth is today, no matter who you are or where you come from, even though we are Americans and we don't have... Physical kings, guess what? We all have spiritual kings. We all have little kings in our heart that we are tempted to bow down to. For some of you here today, your king is performance. Your joy rises and falls off of whether or not you feel like you perform well, whether you feel like you're successful in how the world says or defines success. For others in here, your king is comfort. You're lazy. You're constantly bored. You're pursuing comfort-related sins, whether it be pornography or pills or whatever it may be. You're abusing these things. Like You are building your life on trying to remove pain and suffering at all costs. You have the mentality, if it tastes good, it feels good, it looks good, then it must be good. You build your life on comfort. For others of you, your king is control. For you, your joy rises and falls off of whether you can dot every I and cross every T and try to arrange everything all within how you think it needs to be arranged. For others of you, your king is approval. Your joy rises and falls off what other people think of you. You're constantly just thinking, like even this morning, like, are people judging me? Do they think I'm cool? Do they think I'm pretty? Do they think I'm okay? Do they think I'm spiritual? I mean, you're always just consumed with what others think of you. Like your life, like everything that you do is just consumed with these thoughts. And what Jesus says is, look, if you want to see my kingdom come in your heart, you want to experience the life and the satisfaction you are longing for, you need to repent of bowing down to these other kings, and you need to trust me as the one true king of your life. Though I stand in front of a crowd, I stand in front of a crowd of individuals this morning. And I have to ask you, have you bowed down to Jesus as the king of your life? Have you come to a place where you have said to him, here's my agenda, take it. Have you come to a place where you have said, here's my money, here's my schedule, Here's everything. Take what you will and do with it as you see fit. Or is it possible today that you're still bowing down to the king of performance, the king of approval or comfort or control? This morning, Jesus says, I am the true king. And he calls all of us to, to turn, to repent, to turn from these things that we are believing is better than him and to trust in him. That's why he says not only are we to repent, but we are to what? To believe. Some of you here, you are still believing the lie that there are things in this world that will give you what only Jesus can give you. There are some of you in here today that are right now, when you look at what consumes your time and your money and your thoughts, you are living for a kingdom that, listen guys, sooner or later will fall. And with all the love in my heart, listen guys, I beg you today, some of you need to stop squandering your time. Stop squandering your money and your schedule. Stop wasting your life. Have you ever just thought about how short this life is? How many of you, I want to say a show of hands, how many of you know somebody right now who is dying? And I know like, we're all dying, but how many of you know someone right now Okay, several of you. How many of you known someone in the past year that has died? All right, raise your hand. Okay, and, and many of those people, I'm sure we could say, have died at an age earlier than we thought. I mean, even this past week, someone called me and told me about a guy that graduated a year behind me and that was married, and just this past week, I mean, his wife was fairly healthy, but all of a sudden, like, her, her sugar spike went into a cardiac arrest and died. It's like 30 years old, out of nowhere. And guys, life is short. I just want to ask you, today: do you really want to waste your life on the American dream? Do, Do we really want to waste our lives on things that are here today and gone tomorrow? Some of you, you are living your life for a world that is passing away rather than living it for a world that is coming to pass. And Jesus says it is time to repent and it's time to believe. And believe, just so you know, I'm not just talking about believing in your head. We're talking about here like believing in your heart. Do you understand the difference between believing with your head and believing in your heart. Um, Let me try to explain it like this. Um, It is one thing for me to believe that when I get on a plane, it's not going to crash. It's another thing for me to step on the plane and let it take off the runway with me in it. Does that make sense? One of them is believing in my head, the other one is believing in my heart. I remember um, whenever I was, about five years ago, I was leading a mission trip to Quito, Ecuador, um, with about 15 people. And it was the first time that I have flown... Uh, Since I was 14 years old and I hate flying if you've been here for very long, you know I hate flying I hate airports mainly because every time I go to the airport something bad happens and I get on a plane matter of fact like like, I, we, when we were flying to San Diego back in uh, January, I was with Rusty and Cassie and Megan. And uh, the night before, Megan's like, hey, I forgot my, I can't find my driver's license. So, like, that was, like, a crazy hassle. I mean, literally, if she would have had a shirt on that said ISIS, they would have treated her better than they did because she forgot her driver's license. It was crazy. Kind of funny, but crazy to watch and see. But anyways, so, like, we finally get on the plane. And I hate getting on planes. I really do. Like, cramming into people next to me. Because think about this, people. You are breathing in. Everything that other people are releasing, okay? <laughs> Let that settle in. That's what's in my mind. So I'm sitting there, and, and something always goes wrong, and this time was no different. We're sitting there waiting for the plane to take off. All of a sudden, the pilot comes on, and uh, he says, oh, we got a little bit of an issue. The engine's messed up. I'm like, a little issue? That seems a pretty big one to me, you know? And so... Um, we're sitting there. We had like a 15-minute layover between Dallas and having to get to California. And um, so I'm like, man, we're going to be late. We're going to miss this. So I go up to our flight attendant, and I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Flight Attendant, I'm a pastor. I'm heading to a pastor's conference, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of important that I'm there. Um, we don't want to miss anything. And uh, I said, what's the chances that we make our next flight? And he looks at me. and He says, well, son, he said, if you were Jesus himself, you wouldn't make it to the next flight. I was like, okay, all right. And so anyways, I kind of chased the rabbit. But the point is, I hate flying. Okay, I hate it. It's always a bad experience. And so five years ago when I'm leading this trip to Ecuador, um, I told my wife, I said, this may seem selfish. I don't know if it is or not. But one of the reasons I want to lead this trip is because I want to know that my faith is real. The scariest thing in the world for me is to get on a plane and fly. It really is. I know it's for me it's, like it's stupid, but for me that's, that's what makes me anxious. And I said, you know what, I, want to go, I don't want to be with these people that just say I have faith. I want to act on it. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about lip service. When Jesus says, believe in me, he's saying, get on the plane. For you, maybe it's not like a physical plane, but he's saying you know, that you need to act on what you say you believe. For some of you in here, you say you believe, but if you can be honest, whenever you look at your wallet, you don't believe. Some of you, you say you believe, but when you look at how you spend your time, you look at what consumes your thoughts, the truth is you do not believe. And this morning, Jesus says it is time to repent and believe in him, to trust that he is the one true king, to go from bowing down to the things of the world to bowing down to him, to submit all of life to him. Jesus says this is what has to happen if you want to experience his kingdom come in your life. This is the way that you can experience peace now. It's the way that you can experience joy now. It's the way that you can experience life abundantly now. And I know for some of you, you hear that and your heart still seems somewhat cold and resistant. Because maybe you hear all this kingdom talk and you're like, Jerry, to be honest, I still have my doubts. I mean, if God's kingdom really can come right here and right now, then why is there still so much death and disease? Why is there still fights and famine? Like, why is it that so many other Christians, like if God's kingdom is marked by love and joy and peace and rest, why do so many Christians seem to be the complete opposite of that? What's the answer? Is this a pipe dream? No. See, the reason that we still struggle with these things is because the reality is, though the kingdom is here, though we can now, because of Jesus, experience it, we cannot yet experience it in full. Now, without confusing you, this is what theologians call the already and not yet. And let me explain this to you. When Jesus came to this earth, he inaugurated the kingdom. He began to bring the kingdom, the future, into the present. But it is not, the Bible teaches us, until his second coming that we can experience his kingdom in full. Okay? This is called inaugurated eschatology. Can you say that with me? Inaugurated eschatology. If somebody asks you today, what did you learn? You can say that. I learned talked about inaugurated eschatology. Um, Does anybody know what eschatology means, by the way? What does it mean? Anybody? Somebody? The study of the end of times. Way to go, pastor. Um... (laughs) The study of the end of times, okay? What it's talking about here in our great eschatology is whenever Jesus came with his first coming again, he began to bring this about, right? We can now begin to experience part of the kingdom, but until the second coming, we will not experience it in full. And let me give you an illustration that I think will simplify this for you. You ready for it? There's a lot of different illustrations going through my mind right now. I think this one's the best because we all like food. Imagine there's a new restaurant in town, okay? Any restaurant, I don't care, pick a restaurant. New restaurant in town, and you hear it's just amazing, it's incredible, you've got to go try it out. So you go with your spouse, or your kids, or your friends, or if you don't have anybody in your life, you're single, you just go by yourself, whatever. And you go into this restaurant, and when you walk in, you begin to get some of the smells of this new restaurant. You begin to get some of the sights of the new restaurant as you look around other people's plates. Maybe even you order an appetizer. When the appetizer comes out, guess what? You're getting a taste of this restaurant. But it's not until the full course comes that you can fully experience this new restaurant. This is already not yet. Because of Jesus, we can have the sights and the sounds and the smells of the new kingdom. We can taste the new kingdom. But until the full course arrives, guess what, guys? We're still going to be hungry we're still going to have longings that are not yet fulfilled. But listen, because we can get taste of the kingdom of God and because Jesus tells us that we can now pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, guess what? We should expect to see evidences of the kingdom break into our lives. We should expect to see pictures. We should expect to get a taste of what the kingdom of God is like here and now. Because Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, you know what this means for us? We should expect for people to be healed. Some of you may not believe in healing. We as pastors and as many people in the church, we believe that God heals people when we pray for them. It is a picture of the future kingdom breaking into the present world. Guys, in the kingdom, guess what? There's not disease, there's not death, there's not darkness, there's not all this junk going on. Our bodies aren't breaking down. And when we pray for healing, that is the way we are saying, I'm praying, thy kingdom come and thy will be done right now in this person as it is in heaven. And some of you like, that may be weird to you, but I mean, we've seen it happen over and over again. I mean, I could give you story after story after story. I, I think about Kara, who's here right now. and uh, Are you here right now? There you are. How far along are you, Kara? Almost five months. Okay, so this is miraculous. Five months ago, Dustin and Kara had been trying to get pregnant for a while. I don't know how long, but for quite a while. And they were going to the doctor trying to figure out what's wrong. Why can't we get pregnant? Doctors like kind of baffled. Like, here, try this, try that. But nothing's working. She calls for the pastors to come. We go. We lay hands. We pray for healing. We pray for God's kingdom to come. And within like 24 hours of us praying, God blesses her with a child. How do you explain that? How do you explain whenever, I mean, you know, Emma's in the hospital, and we're up there in Little Rock, and Julie's like, hey, we've got probably maybe another 14 days because they can't figure out what's going on with this bacteria in her lungs. And me and Megan and my kids and the Wilkins, we just pray over Emma. And the next day, the doctor comes in and says, everything's good, she can be released. How do you explain that? How do you explain Stacy Ashcraft, who, what was this, like a, a couple months ago? Right? Found out she has this massive tumor in her stomach, gets it tested, comes back, they say it's cancerous. She calls on the elders, we go and we lay hands on her and we pray. She goes to have surgery, I think it's the next day, and they look and they say, actually, there's no cancer. How do you explain that? Guys, it is the kingdom of God breaking into this present world. We should have confidence. That when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we will experience that. And not just in like physical healing, but think about this as missional communities. When we go out, we should go out in confidence that we're going to see lives change now. We should go out in confidence, right? That we're not on the defense, we're on the advance, right? Like that we are going to be able to see the kingdom advancing. And just a couple of verses after this one that we read where Jesus says, repent and believe for the kingdom is at hand. In Mark chapter 1 verse 17... He says to the same group, now follow me, follow me, commune with me, be with me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's the same thing that Jesus told him in Matthew chapter 28 before he ascended to go back with the Father. If you remember, he said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, he says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And then in Acts 1, what does he do? He breathes the Holy Spirit on them, and you see these impossibly slow-witted, moron, just disciples turn the world upside down. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. We should have the same confidence today. When Jesus says, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's not just talking about personally within us, but he's saying, you can be a part of this work. Not because of your power, but because of his power. And we need to get that today. If we go forward trying to bring forth the kingdom in our power, it's a suicide mission. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful today that we are seeing evidence of this kingdom work in our city. Isn't it amazing to think about what God has done? I mean, I'm telling you guys, for those of you involved in missional communities, God is using you to change the culture of the city. He really is. I think about the culture within youth sports. You know, we have Luke's missional community that is, they're changing the culture of youth sports. They really are. I mean, I got to be a part of a sports clinic that they threw on recently. Um, the Paragold coaches and tech coaches came and like, taught other coaches how to instruct their kids from Paragold Youth Baseball, these volunteers. So they had like 35 coaches from Paragold Youth Baseball show up for this event. They had like 60-something kids who showed up to learn some of these drills. And at the end, I got to get up and share about the importance of not just investing in baseball skills, but investing in eternity. I mean, it was a phenomenal event. Uh, they also have started this, this ministry called Locker 1034, where basically you get free sporting equipment for your kids. So that way there's no kid in Paragould right now. If, if any kid that wants to play sports in Paragould, guess what? If they don't have the money to get the stuff, they don't have to use that as an excuse not to play because Locker 1034 gets all of the gear for them for free. Isn't that amazing? I think about Restore that gives away thousands of pounds of food. That's a picture of the kingdom of God to come. I think about, um, you know, the, the, the MCs we have that are invested in the foster care system to make sure that, that people are being supported, that they were able to come alongside those who are maybe without healthy family structures at the moment to make sure that they're being cared for well. That's a picture of the kingdom of God breaking into the present world. I think about our new, one of our newest missional communities at Bell Mead, at the nursing home. Has it ever crossed your mind how weird it is for a group of young people to want to go invest and love on people in a nursing home whenever they know they really have like no grandparents or nobody even there that they knew? What is that all about? It's a picture of the kingdom of God coming here. Whenever, as Zach said, they go and they take cheese balls and they drink root beer, right, with people that are there. That's awesome. I mean, these are people in our society that are often like the forgotten ones, Many of them, they're discovering they lay in a bed without anybody, any family or friend, just waiting to die, and yet they're coming around and loving them. How much do you think that means to them? What kind of picture do you think that shows to the workers that are at the nursing home? I could go on and on. I think about even our missional community. I mean, not only are we trying to love people outside of our homes, but we're having those who are considered to be outcasts, the broken, the burnout, the hopelessly lost around our own dinner tables every Sunday night and sharing a meal with them. I mean, a few weeks ago, we had eight adults or seven adults and one teenager go through the baptismal waters talking about how Jesus had changed their life. Over the last three and a half years, we've had over 30 people who have testified to this. and These aren't just people who came and marched off a list, and many of them are still here today to testify to what Jesus has done for them. You, through the power of Jesus, are a kingdom presence in this city, and it's Beautiful. And as a result, guys, lives are being changed. Is there still brokenness? Yes. Is there still pain? Of course. Are we all still a work in progress? Are we? Yes. We all have baggage. We're all still waiting to be made right. But listen because of this prayer, Jesus says, as we continue to work out the gospel, as we continue to try to seek to live as a, as a community of life on life, life in community, life on mission, we can see the kingdom of God come. We can see God's will being done in Paragold and in Jonesboro and beyond, just as it is in heaven. We have seen God do so much in such a short time here, and my prayer is that this is only the beginning. My hope from the time that we had eight people in our church four years ago, one missional community of eight adults, is that eventually we would have one missional community per thousand people in this city. When I think about these missional communities, you know what I think? I think they're like these little kingdom outposts is really what they are. It's God's kingdom just infiltrating the city in all these different areas, whether it be labor park or youth sports or the nursing home or wherever it may be. And my hope is that we will continue to establish these. And as a result, we will see more disciples being made, more lives being changed as the kingdom continues to break into this present world. For some of you here today, you come here each week and you're so faithful in attending and we're so glad that you're here. And maybe you even kind of show up at an MC meal every now and then. I don't know. But it stops there for you. And I don't want to guilt you for that or shame you for that. I just want you to know God has made you for so much more. Are some of you bored with the Christian life? Because this is not boring work. Jesus today calls you to turn from living for this little bitty kingdom that eventually is going to fall and crumble to living for this eternal kingdom where he is ruling and reigning. He calls you today to stop believing in the lie that there is something. Guys, you know this, come on. You know there is nothing else out there that you can build your life on that has satisfied you to this point. And Jesus calls you today to stop feverishly looking for satisfaction in those things and to turn to trusting in him. And then, as a result, turn to being a part of his kingdom work in others. Only under the rule and reign of Jesus, I promise you guys, I promise you, and I'm not having to make this up, you know it's true, only under the rule and reign of Jesus can you experience the abundant life that you have been longing for. Some of you here today, you want abundant life so bad and you hope this is true, but you're not experiencing it. And maybe for some of you, I don't know, you're like a notch below desperate right now. I don't know what's maybe going on in your life, whether it's financial or what it may be. Maybe for some of you in here, like you long for this life, but it's just not reality for you because maybe for some of you, there's major physical problems going on in your life. You're having health issues. And it's, just, it's, it's frustrated you. It's discouraged you. I mean, the doctors don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. And I just want to encourage you to do something this morning. In just a moment, like myself and Luke and Rusty will be up here. This, we're always available to you. But I want to encourage you. The Bible says in James, whenever you're sick, call upon the elders. And if you're battling with something, if there's some sort of physical illness right now that's keeping you from really experiencing the life that you are longing for, I want to encourage you to step out in faith in just a moment when we sing a song and let the pastors pray over you to pray and ask God's kingdom to come right here in your life. And guess what, guys? Sometimes when we pray these prayers, people don't get healed every time, right? But Jesus is still on his throne. And we pray in that moment expecting that maybe we'll get a taste of the kingdom in that moment. Maybe for others of you in here, it's not that you have physical issues that's keeping you from experiencing this life. Maybe it's emotional issues because of a loss, because of a death. Whether it be a physical death or death of a relationship or whatever, it may be a financial crisis. And again, we'd love to pray for you and pray that we just see God's kingdom come in that area, that you experience some freedom and experience some joy and experience some peace. Maybe for others in here, the reason you're not experiencing this life is because of a spiritual condition. Because you have not truly come to a place in your life yet where you said, yes, I want to give everything over to God. I don't just want to give him my Sunday, I want to give him my every." every single part of my life. I want him to rule and reign. What I would encourage you to do this morning is through the Spirit, ask the Spirit to reveal to you, what are some areas of my life that I'm not allowing God to rule and reign? What are some areas that I'm not submitting to him yet? There are some of you here though; you look really good on the outside right now. Your soul is shriveling up on the inside. And maybe it's because you were hanging on to things that you know that Jesus has said to let go of, to stop trusting in. My hope today is that none of us will leave here in despair. That you will realize no matter what you're going through or where you are, you can take your life to King Jesus. And he is the only king who is good, who is right, who is perfect, who is gracious, and he is merciful. When you take your sins, when you take your struggles to him, you can trust that he will begin to bring his kingdom to bear in your life. And then, out of joy and out of peace and out of an overflow of what he's done for you, you can begin to be a part of of bringing his kingdom to bear in the lives of others. What I want to encourage you to do is just kind of sit here for just a moment. I want to ask our band to go ahead and come forward, if they will. And um, some of you are heavy right now. Some of you are experiencing a lot of pain. And I just want you to know that as your pastors, we are very sensitive to that. And I just want to take a moment to pray over us. And then, like I said, if you want to come forward and you want to ask, I'll be up here uh, over here on the side with Luke. I think Rusty will be up here as well. You can come. We're going to pray for you. But right now, let me just pray over each of us. Father, I do thank you so much that we can experience your kingdom right now. I pray for the person who is here who is still living for a kingdom That is falling apart even right now before their eyes. And that's why they are anxious. That's why they are worried. That's why they are burnt out. That's why they are struggling. I pray for this person specifically. I pray that you through the power of your spirit. That you will make the gospel alive in their hearts. Father if there is someone who is here today. Who does not know you as king. I pray that you will help them to see. That you are better than any other king. And that as a result, they will turn from bowing down to this thing to turning their entire life over to you and experience the abundant life that you have for them. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.